This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. This is Behind the Rose, where Bachelor Nation meets country music and everything in between. Here's your host, Blake Horseman. Hello and welcome to another episode of Behind the Rose podcast. I'm your host, Blake Horseman, here with my buddy as usual, Eric Bradley. And today we're talking to Canadian-American TV host and personality, Renee Paquette. We'll talk to Renee in a few minutes about what it's like to be a woman in a male-dominated industry like WWE, how the spark between her and her now husband, Dean Ambrose, began at work, and how her first interview with John Cena ended before it even began. But first, it's been a big day in Bachelor Nation. Honestly, one of the bigger bombshells we've had in Bachelor Nation in quite some time. And there are always some kind of news bombshells. But Colton Underwood, this morning, did an interview on Good Morning America and came out to the whole world that he is he's gay. And obviously, me and Eric are very close with Colton. I was obviously on the season. Eric knew Colton before. Did you know him before he even went on the show? Before he was The Bachelor, yes. So yeah, I guess... Not, I mean, I'm happy for him. Let me put it that way first. Let me say that first. I'm happy for him. I, I can't imagine. I literally, like, it's impossible for me to relate to carrying around a secret like that and feeling like you have to hide who you are on national television in front of millions of people. Like, I can't, I can't relate and I can't imagine what the inner demons and inner struggles that man must have had for all these, you know, at least, well, basically his whole life, but especially the last three years, you know, like it's, mm-hmm. that's incredible. It's insane. You know, amongst our peer group and a lot of our friends that internally know Colton, there was always kind of like rumblings and, you know, where we've always kind of like had a feeling or, you know, we're suspicious of like the idea of it, is he, isn't he? And in mm-hmm. seeing the pressures and how much like he's faced through the years and the of trying to appease and live through everybody and for everybody else and not himself, like it does have to be super freeing for him to have that out now. I couldn't be happier for him Yeah, and the future ahead of him. And hopefully now he can enjoy life and, and yeah, just be happy and live. Agreed. I mean, he talked about, you know, in that interview, like, first of all, that interview, I will, I, I've known, like I said, I've known Colton a lot. I've seen him on national television before. I've been on national television with him before. It takes a lot to get that man rattled. And he did seem rattled in that interview. He was, he was almost shaking. Yeah. Um, and it was, you could see he was like take deep breaths. He was struggling. Yeah. It was, it was very genuine. So emotional. He was scared, but at the same time, he seemed incredibly excited and relieved to like get this off his shoulder finally, you know? But he talked about how, you know, he went to Catholic school when he was young and he's grown up. And I mean, he, I know his family, like his dad is a badass. Like, you know, yeah. like his dad is a man's man, yeah. like a man's man. Yeah. His whole family, honestly. And to hear Robin did speak a little bit about how his dad, and if you know Scott, Scott Underwood, his dad, she said Scott was there with him the whole time and was showed super amounts of support for him. And that made me feel really, yeah. Cause me the chill really good you know? because like, yeah, knowing Scott and like to know that he was there and supported Colton and th- that meant a lot to me to hear um, through the, through those channels. And yeah. I'm very happy that Colton has his family and he does have a very strong family around him with his mom and dad. And his yeah. brother. I'm not shocked that Scott is there for him, but I'm sure in the back of you know Colton's mind that might have been something he was scared about was coming out to his family. Everybody, mm-hmm. you know, all those people who have to come out, I'm sure are scared to come out to the family. But I the, the reason I look at Colton, it's like the man was he's a huge dude, six four, muscular, played in the NFL. Then he goes on to be the bachelor, who's supposed to be the most eligible man in America. You know, it's like 
I just can't imagine. It's hard to be the bachelor to begin with, but to then also have this secret that he was holding and you buried deep inside. Um, I, I, you got, I've been honest about my anxiety and stress. I can't imagine the anxiety that that man went through on a daily basis, you know? So I bet it's incredibly freeing, um, for him. Uh, and I'm happy for him. Well, since you just, you did bring up the bachelor, obviously at the time you and Jason were in the running for the bachelor and, now Jason has Caitlin, happy as could be. They're probably going to get married. How do you feel now knowing that, you know, Colton has said he's known since he was six years old and definitely like when he was like freshman in high school and he knew he was accepting the role of the lead of The Bachelor. Do you feel like that opportunity was maybe stolen from you at the time now when you look back at this? It is an interesting question. And I, you're not like I've been asked, even my mom asked that same question. It's hard to answer because... You can play the what if game all day. Like you can play the, you know, you know, 2020, like looking back, you know, that kind of, but it's, it's a hard question because on one, one instance, yeah, of course, like, it seems like, damn, he, like, I, I we want to sit here and say, oh, he knew, but obviously he was fighting it as much as possible. So I'm not going to sit here and be like, like that part in his interview that, that hit me hard was when he said, you know, when I was the bachelor, I thanked God because when I was picked to be the bachelor, I thanked God because that meant I was straight and that I can find a wife and I can have kids. And I can lead this life that everybody wants me to. And that hit hard to me. It's not like he was like, Oh, I'm gay. I'm going to trick everybody. Like, I don't think that was his mind frame. Obviously I think he was fighting it as much as possible. And he didn't want to believe that he was gay. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but that's what it seems like. And so, you know, in the time I don't hold any ill will, ill feelings towards Colt, not at all, you know, not at all. Um, but it is pretty wild to think like what, what would have happened had things gone a different way had you know i've been named the bachelor or and i mean jason's obviously like you said very happy right now but had jason been the bachelor like it's pretty crazy to think how much our lives would be different right now um but yeah i mean i don't hold any ill feelings towards colton um and i i like to think that the show had no idea i like to i'm gonna keep thinking that the show didn't know that you know and obviously they probably didn't but um yeah so i don't hold any ill feelings towards anybody definitely not yeah but it's, it's a tough question, but I do want to touch base real quick uh, because obviously there's a lot of people out there talking about Cassie, you know, and, the, and that, and I, I think it's important to remember, like we can still hold Colton accountable for what he did and that he, what he did was wrong to Cassie mm -hmm. um, and still, yeah. And still be happy for him at the same time. Like that's still a thing. You don't have to be, you know, you don't have to he, like human beings are complicated. And so I think we can still hold him accountable, but still also be happy for him. And I liked in the interview, how he said he didn't excuse his actions because he was gay. He, he did say that in the interviews, like, I don't have any excuse for what happened. There's no excuse. So like I, people think that he's using this to like excuse what he did. He's not, and he shouldn't. Cause I don't think that is any kind of excuse. And I think most people out there would agree. Right. Like I, you don't think so. Right. Like, no. Yeah. Like there's a lot of people Not that struggle with her sexuality and haven't done what he did. So I just want to put that out there that you can still hold him accountable, but also be happy for him at the same time. You, you can do that. Yeah. And I think at this point he does hold himself accountable Yeah, Agreed. for what he's done. Yeah, exactly. So I just want people to know that, that you can, you know, you can think two ways about a person. But well. can't say it enough. Like, yeah, he's a friend and he's a brother of ours mm -hmm. and we are unbelievably happy and supportive and, and extremely proud of, of, of Colton today. I, yeah, I can't wait to, to hang out with him now again, because I feel like he's going to be a completely different person. That weight is going to be lifted off his shoulder. And he, cause like, like last time we saw him, he was yeah, obviously, like, you know, he had a lot on his shoulders, but like, I just can't wait he, to see like a more, a free, I can't wait to see a free Colton. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just going to be really, it's going to be exciting to see. So right. yeah, I'm excited to hang out with him again and talk with him and, and see the, the new Colton for sure. So, all right, coming up our chat with Renee Paquette behind the rose.
Renee, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I mean, I get to have my coffee with you guys and just get through the morning. How's yes. it going? <laughs> good, good. I'm excited because we have a lot of female listeners and you've been very successful in, for the most part, a male-dominated industry. Unfortunately, most industries are male-dominated, unfortunately. That but is you've been... kind of true. That's, yeah, 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 that is true. But you've been incredibly successful. So obviously, a lot of our female listeners are going to be super interested in like how you've done what you've done. Because it's, it's, I was looking, like I was saying, I was looking at your resume. I was like, damn, like we got to do a separate intro here because there's so much to say. <laughs> yeah, it, you know what? It's funny because I feel like from the very beginning of my career, I mean, I initially started out wanting to do mostly comedy, which is yeah. also a very male dominated industry. And that was something to just kind of like navigate through that world. And then I end up working in sports, which is obviously very male dominated, but I never really felt that. I always really felt like, I mean, of course there's instances where I was like, Hey, back the F up. Right. Of course. But for the most part, I feel like I've been really lucky in being treated as uh, as an equal and just as like an e an even playing field talent amongst all the other guys. And I've been able to carve my own path. I mean, whether it was working in sports networks in Canada to what I've been able to do in WWE, um, I just feel like that's something that's it's never really gotten in the way. You know, check rules, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's awesome to hear because unfortunately, I think a lot of times, you know, it, it, the stories that we hear, yeah. uh, the worst stories, you always hear the worst stories, you know, so you so it's good to hear the good ones like that, too. So and it, it does happen. I mean, of course it happens and there's going to be obstacles and there's like always this need to feel there's you always feel the need to have to prove yourself extra hard or, you know, you, you can't have any slip ups on air, especially in like the wrestling world. If you mispronounce someone's name or you get a stat wrong, it's like, boom, they like, you will be like just attacked by everybody on all angles. Um, but you know, I think one thing that I've been really lucky with is being surrounded by, um, a bunch of really great men that have actually championed me like my whole career, which has been really cool. And, you know, as much as we hear a lot of the really shitty stories about things that can happen, I, I do think it is important to, to give credit where credit is due to these other men that have really helped me and, uh, and given me a platform to be able to do the things that I've got to do. So I kind of wanted to get started. You mentioned it, but I want to get started. So you, you were born in Toronto, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So growing up, like, did you always want, because you started an improv comedy, basically, right? You went to college for improv and everything? Well, I went to Second City. I went to like, I always feel like it's like I went to clown college. <laughs> uh, so I didn't actually go to college, which is funny because when I was like leaving high school, I'm like, what do I want to do? And once I kind of got that like performance bug and I was like, that's just something that I can't not see out, seek out. I really need to like see where this is going to go, give it a shot and just, yeah, you know, kind of throw everything against the wall and see what I could do. So I was like, what am I going to do? I should go to college. Maybe I'll go to broadcasting school or there's a really great um, uh, a music program that's in Toronto for doing music production. My whole family works in music production. Uh, so I was like, maybe I could do something like that. And um, none of them accepted me. <laughs> Good stuff. Look at them now. <laughs> now they're wishing they would have. <laughs> well, I remember going in for like, you go into the broadcasting schools and there's great broadcasting schools in Toronto. And you're like, you get brought in with like a group of like 10 people or something. And like, why do you want to work in television? And everyone's like, you know, wanted to create TV moments and do all these things. I'm like, I just want to be on TV. Can I do that through here? Literally everyone like turned around and kind of like sneered at me. Like, Mitch, get out of here. 
Um, so I realized maybe that wasn't the right place, but I eventually wound back up. You know, I'm, I do broadcasting now, so suck it. Yeah, exactly. um, <laughs> I love it. But yeah, as I was just kind of figuring that out and I had always had a pamphlet in my drawer in my room for Second City improv classes and the Second City in Toronto is so historical. So many amazing people have come through there. So I kept kind of looking at it. It was like one of those things that I just always knew that it was in that part of the room. And I was like, I think I have to go do this. And we were like calling my dad and I was like, can I have like $250 to start doing this class? Uh, and he was like, hell yeah. So yeah, I mean, he, he gave me that money to go and start doing it. I, I did all of the level like A through E improv. And then after that, I was like, okay, I think I'm ready to show the world what I've got. And I moved to LA like right after with zero credentials. I had not yeah. done anything. You were young too. You were I'm really like young. I'm like my own hype woman. Yeah, I was like 18, 19. That's crazy. Yeah. Go to LA to just shoot your shot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I went there illegally, which was a whole thing, which I didn't know, which by the way, I'm now an American citizen. <laughs> so I've gone through every hoop that you could possibly have to jump through. I've done it all. Um, but yeah, it was like moving down to LA and just sort of trying to navigate that world. Like, how do I get auditions and how do I get an agent? And I couldn't do anything because they're like, you're, you are here without a visa. You have no green card. Like, what do you want us to do uh, with you? I'm like, well, I don't know. I thought you guys were going to know. I thought somebody else was going to tell me what to do. Um, and it didn't really go that way. So, you know, I hung out there for a while. And then I went back to Toronto once I was like, okay, time to actually get to work here. I hate nothing more than feeling like I'm wasting time. Mm. And I started to feel like I was wasting time there where I was like, all right. So how long were you in LA for? Roughly? Oh, only about maybe like nine months, okay. not even a year. So I was like, you know, I was working at like a bar under the table counting people walking through the door it was like a little like small venue where they would have like jazz performers would come in they'd have like open mic nights and i'm like i don't know here's 10 bucks yes yeah, somebody came to see whoever yeah. uh, but i remember that was my first time working with like american money and canadian money is all very colorful and i <laughs> really screwed it up at the end of the night when i was like here's what we have at the end and i was like giving away people the wrong change Oh, shit. <laughs> it was a real doozy. I was like, oh, I God, never thought sorry. about that. Like Me neither. And it's like in the dark. So you can't see anything. You just like assume it's fine. I was like, oh, brother. Yeah, <laughs> not good. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, I mean, once I had spent my time in L.A. and I had a great time. I mean, I got to do a bunch of really cool things and just sort of like check out the lay of the land of what L.A. has to offer. Mm -hmm. But it was getting back home and being like, all right, let's get back to some auditions and taking some more classes and taking some acting classes and and then I kind of stumbled into hosting because I was like sick of waiting for auditions again, wasting time. I don't know why I'm in such a rush all the time. <laughs> I, I went, would go on like those like casting websites and they're like, we're casting for this and we've got whatever. Um, so they were looking for like a VJ. I was like, oh shit, I could be a VJ. Hell yeah. Oh, okay. I know. Yeah. I know about music. I know about all these other things. And uh, that's not actually what the audition was for. It's like a bunch of girls in bikinis and kudos to you ladies go out there and get it. But that just wasn't what I was going to do. So I went in and like made a joke of it. I actually pretended I was auditioning for Canadian Idol. And then they gave me a show from that. No way, really? Yeah, they were like, you're weird and this is cool. So sure, what do you want to do here? And I was like, oh, I don't know. What do I want to do? And then I started hosting a show there called Rippin' It and Lippin' It that was like interviewing like punk bands and extreme sports. Very random. It's kind of one thing leads into another. Yeah, exactly. I feel like your story is so cool because you have such a unique path that you've, you've traveled upon to like get to where you are today. Like it's not the traditional path. Yeah. And you know, I think like my whole thing has always been like, just follow where those opportunities are and seek it out. Like try things out. Maybe you're going to like it. Maybe you're not Maybe You're going to work with other people, but either way, it's like getting that experience under your belt to know what you like and what you don't like, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are. So that's always been something that like, it's, it's 
you know, it's, it really is that like, it's the journey, not the destination kind of a situation with this, I think. Yeah. Amen. I always say like the biggest thing I think that holds people back uh, is fear because I think a lot of times like getting out of your comfort zone and like doing something you're terrified of and then doing it, it can often lead to something so much bigger and so much bigger. 100%. And I'm such a firm believer in that. I mean, even, you know, to my time recently of having to leave WWE, it's like I spent eight years there and I carved out this really great role for myself over that time of all the things that I was able to accomplish there and all the different hats I got to wear. But once I hit that, you know, proverbial glass ceiling, I was like, now what? Now I got to go do something else again. I, I felt that I really needed to scare myself again to be like, what am I going to find? What am I going to do? I didn't have my hand on another branch, but I just knew that I needed to get back to sort of navigating those waters again and not just being comfortable and, and being cool with what I had. I mean, it, it was a great cushy, awesome gig, but end of the day, it, it wasn't really like, it wasn't filling my heart the way that I wanted this to be doing. So yep. I, I still feel like, you know, you make that right decision to, to follow your gut and move on. Yeah, exactly. And I think it, that's harder than people think, you know, that's a, easier said than done. You know what I mean? But I but know, when, right? When you it's do, like, yeah. give me an ulcer, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, <I> know, right? <laughs> amen, amen. So you talked about how you kind of landed in, in sports. How did, how did you get to there, you know, from doing like an improv comedy <laughs> punk rock show? Like, so, how did you end up there? Yeah. So in Canada, you end up, you end up being kind of limited. And I've always had this sort of like, you know, broad stroke vision of what I wanted my career to be. And I'm like, well, at 22, 23, I'm like, I need to be, I need to have a national show. I need to be on national television. How do I do that? <laughs> and that can be pretty limiting in Canada to see what that's going to be. So at the time it was either work for much music, which is like our MTV, which would have been great. Um, and th that just wasn't where the path went, but I did go in and audition there because they were also about to do this whole VJ search. And I was like, maybe I'll do that. Mm. Um, but then, then the other option was a score, which is where I ended up working. And the reason why I really wanted to work there was because it wasn't straight up sports. Like I did not want to be like a behind the desk sports center broadcaster. They had a lot of comedians that would do like man on the street interviews, go in the locker rooms. And like, they just had like more of an interesting take on sports. I was like, oh, maybe I could do that. Like, that seems like that's more up my alley. So yeah, I went in and doing whatever I could to get my foot in the door. It's like, I would drop off demo reels. I'm trying to find out like, who do I need to get in contact with? How do I get their email? Like, I'm like, a, I think I'm like borderline a stalker when I need to be. <laughs> like, how do I find this information? I must know somebody that knows this person. Uh, and I just was very persistent about it. And um, they then they started doing also a search for Canada's next great broadcaster. I don't know what's with all these, I mean, reality shows we know, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've been on a few. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you know how that goes. And, um, so that opportunity came up and I was like, well, shit, I'm going to shoot my shot with this then too. So I ended up doing another tape and sending that in. So they're like, oh my God, this girl is sending us so many tapes, like awesome. give it a rest. It. So finally they they brought me in and they ended up hiring me aside from doing the reality show. So I just, they're like, just here, here's your contract. Here's your desk. Get out of here. They were like, <laughs> sick of me hounding. <laughs> they're like, leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. But Hey, it worked. It got the job done. I did it. And I, you know, I had a really great run of working there and getting to do a bunch of different shows. And then that's what led me into the wrestling world because my boss there was like, Hey, you want to host this show after Monday night raw? And I was like, hell yeah. Again, just like, Sure. Why not? Let's try it. 
little did I know the, the door that that was going to open for my career, you know, a couple of years down the line from that. So yeah, yeah. It's like, it, I just feel like things kind of work out the way that they're supposed to work out. If you put in that, you put in the effort to try to get where you're going. I feel like the universe kind of meets you on the other side and kind of steers you in that right direction. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. Yeah. So I do want to get into your whole WWE career because it is remarkable, like the path, you've, again, the path you've taken in that. So we'll do that right after this. All right, so basically you were asked to do a post-show, right? It was a post-show um, yes. WWE show. Did you have like any wrestling experience at that time? No, not really. Um, I remember one of the first things I was supposed to do, they're like, oh, John Cena is going to come through. And like wrestling fans don't kill me. But I was like, who, what? Like I had no idea. <laughs> I was like in Toronto. I was so used to just like we were covering hockey, basketball, like the Masters. Like we were doing all like – major sports oh i thought you were gonna say real sports i was like watch watch no. it there hey watch listen <laughs> i know i know my verbiage here yeah, yeah, i yeah. know i know where i know how to navigate these waters <laughs> but with with wwe being one of the main uh shows that that the score had and with the broadcast rights when they were like hey come in and do this so anyways yeah john cena was coming in to do an interview and i was like okay here we go and like at this time i was still really trying to like get my own shit in of like thinking I was funny, thinking I like was making a segment more about like my humor than about the actual person. So I don't want to, it wasn't that I was ill prepared, but like, I was like, Oh, I don't know. I'm going to talk to him about Hulk Hogan. And at the time, like Brooke Hogan, his daughter was like, just released an album or was like doing like, I was talking about stuff that he could not give a shit about. Mm. And uh, I shouldn't even say that he didn't care because I didn't even get to do the interview. So we're standing on our marks in the studio and uh, <laughs> Adam Hopkins, PR for WWE, shout out to Adam Hopkins. Uh, he was like looking over my questions. And as they're like counting in with the jib shot coming in, I'm like, okay, here we go. They're like, never mind, cut it. No way. And they canceled the interview. Because <laughs> <laughs> of your questions that you were going to ask? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it didn't go very far. I can't ever remember if I ended up talking to John about that. Because, I mean, obviously, I spent a bunch of time with John Cena right. over the years in WWE. But I was like, I don't know if we ever actually spoke about how Wait. awkward and stupid that was. Because I was just, like, dumb. I was, like, a 22-year-old. Right. I didn't know what I was doing. I was like, this will be funny. <laughs> and they're Wait, like, what were the no. questions? Yeah, like, now I'm, now I'm, like, interested in what you're going to ask. I think it was just, like, it was probably just, like, inappropriate wrestling questions that would have put him in a bad spot. Like, you're talking about the business in a way that I know better to talk about the business now. No. You know, like, just kind of setting things up in a dumb way and like i mean why would i talk about brooke hogan she doesn't work for wwe she actually might have been working for tna at the time so extra reason to like not mm. cross pollinate those wrestling worlds but yeah it, it wasn't that it was like anything inappropriate i think it was just dumb gotcha. my specialty like, you know, this is yeah i've got to protect john cena i get it i get it 100 <laughs> is john cena of course They're like get this broad out of here what is she doing but anyway so you know we started doing our show and we were doing like our after show and i did that show for yeah, how long Gosh, maybe, I think like two years, I believe. Okay. Something like that. Two, three years, something like that. I was basically for the duration of my contract with, with, uh, with the score. And then as my contract was winding down there, I was very much like, all right, now time to go back and really try to get this splash happening in, in the U.S. again. So I would take my I would take like a sick day 
and I would fly to LA and like take meetings or I'd fly to New York and be taking meetings, trying to like, just figure out where I'm going to land next. Mm -hmm. And then lo and behold, once, uh, once WWE, they were like, they wanted to fly me in for an audition. And, uh, I had just gone to ESPN. I think I went to like ESPN on that Monday, flew home and then went back to WWE that like Friday. Oh wow! And, uh, my ESPN audition, I kind of crushed. I'm not going to lie. It was a (laughs) great audition where I was like, shit, I think we did it. Everyone's kind of high-fiving. This all feels good. And then I went in to do the WWE audition and I, I wasn't great. Like it was fine. It was serviceable, but it wasn't the thing that I was like, oh, hell yeah. Nailed that. I also had no idea. Like when I was watching WWE, there wasn't somebody like me on camera there. So I didn't think of what my role there could be. It just wasn't something I ever thought about. I was like, I don't know. They don't need someone like me. Why would I even think about going to work there? And then when I went into audition, they brought me in to do, you know, they put me through the gauntlet of auditions. I mean, it was like a marathon. Um, but yeah, and then I, they were like, all right, cool. Come down and do this. And they, they got me my visas. I went there legally, uh, the right way. <laughs> the right way. <laughs> I moved down to America. I was living in New York and yeah, it was like, that was just sort of the tip of the iceberg of all the things that were to come in the, the world of wrestling. Rasslin. So yeah. yeah, when you started in the world, like where, what was your like first gig? Cause obviously they were like, we want you part of this. Did you, what total divas wasn't the first thing, right? Like it was, no, okay. I started doing total divas, uh, a couple years into being there. So uh, my first year of working in WWE, I was not even on the road for WWE. So I was living in New York and they have studios in Stanford, Connecticut. So I would go in there and they would do um, shows that air internationally. So the shows that actually aired in Canada, I would do those and they would like air in England and in India. Um, And they were just sort of like magazine wraparound shows of like, this is what happened this week on Monday Night Raw and Friday Night Smackdown and and what have you. So they were just like quick little studio shows. They took me like, you know, 10 minutes to record Mm -hmm. and I would take my ass back to Queens. Um, And then I would also do this show called um, WWE Vintage with Mean Gene Okerlund, who is an absolute legend in the WWE world. So working with him, I mean, he was somebody that I just I was so close with. I adored that man. Spending time with him was so, so cool. But yeah, I mean, and it was just we would just talk old school wrestling and we would just knock out like a bunch of episodes. I would record with them like once a month Um, and then we would just go drink uh, vodka soda cranberries after the show and <laughs> hang out in the hotel lobby oh always that man like he he liked to throw back a drink or two in his day that's for damn sure that's great yeah mean gene knows how to party yeah. i feel like a wwe in general knows how to, to party a little bit sure yeah. do i feel like those hotel lobby bars they see a lot of y'all yeah. We rule those things. We mm-hmm. shut them down. Hell yeah. We're like, <laughs> stay open a little bit, especially if you've got someone like Ric Flair with you. You'll like just pull out all this money and try to like get the bartenders to keep the, the bar open. The bar for open. Us. I'll say, works so more think, often than yeah, you would I think. <laughs> I'd keep whatever Ric Flair wanted right? open. I'd be like, Who doesn't? Yeah, Everyone's like, whatever Ric Flair time. wants. Sure, yeah, you got exactly. it. There's such big personalities, you know, like huge personalities in that yeah. world. Is that Was that interesting to navigate those kind of big personalities and egos and that kind of thing? Not really, because you know, the thing that's funny with WWE is I think like that, not, I don't want to say that it's not like a common question, but I think it's like a a misconception of them because yes, everyone is, there's so many big personalities and you would think that there's more ego involved than there actually is. The thing with WWE is that you get humbled 
very quickly because it's so much work. Like no one's handed anything from like the wrestlers that are, you know, performing 52 weeks a year. You're away from your family. You're doing house shows. You're doing live TV. You're doing pay-per-views to training to then doing media and getting up early. Like nothing comes easily. So there's something really cool about time being spent with everyone is that like, it really is this like family environment where we all just like, we all respect each other. We all know we're in there for the right reasons. Uh, everyone busts their ass to get through the year, through the week, through whatever. I mean, we just finished up WrestleMania and I'm sure I'd say everyone's breathing a sigh of relief today, but they're not because now it's Monday night raw. It's on to the next. Mm -hmm. There's never a moment to like stop and take a second to just kind of take it all in. Um, so yeah, the, the ego kind of gets taken out really quickly, which is kind of nice. It's funny. I feel like anytime you end up on a set, or working with people outside WWE, they're like, man, you guys are all so nice. We're like, yeah, man, because we got to work for our shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we got to work is, for this. Yeah, I feel like WWE is a lot more like blue collar than I think people think. Like it's it's very blue collar industry compared yeah. to like some other sports. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you think of like, um, you know, even in the terms of like not everyone gets first class travel and we're driving ourselves between shows. I mean, you finish raw, you're getting in your own rental car that you've paid for and you're driving your ass 300 miles into the next town and you're eating at a seven 11 at midnight. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's some of the frills get taken out pretty quickly. I mean, there's, there's a lot of great aspects that come with it, but yeah, it's, you, you're work, you're earning your money big time. Oh, I bet. I, I find it. So I feel like that's why, first of all, WWE fans are like some of the most passionate, incredible fans out there. And I think that yeah. comes from everybody in the industry being incredibly passionate because like you said, not very many people get like filthy rich off of WWE. Like no, a lot of it true. is just, they love what they do. It's, I think yeah. that, you know, the fans appreciate that so much. Yeah, no, it's really true. It's like, you know, it, you kind of look at different industries, whether somebody's like a professional athlete, whether you're playing in the NHL, NBA, MLB, whatever it is. And like, you see these fucking, am I allowed to swear on here? You sure are. Of course. As much Great. as you want. Thank God. Because <laughs> that one slipped. Um, <laughs> you see, uh, you see these contracts come through, like my ESPN app will be like, so-and-so just signed this astronomical deal. You're like, man, must be nice. Also, you guys have a season? We don't have a season. We don't even have an off season. Like how so nice. Um, and then you look at actors, you know, actors are making all this money and we somehow like fall in the cracks of that. Of Like, I mean, people get paid well, but yeah, it's not everybody is making money that they're going to be able to retire off down the line and their bodies are being put through it day in and day out. So that is definitely something that you know that the fans appreciate and they recognize of like all that hard work that everyone's putting in. And it takes it takes a special person to survive and be successful in the world of WWE. I mean, it is obviously not for everybody. We bring in professional athletes all the time into the performance center that maybe want to transition into being professional wrestlers. And um, yeah, you, you see people that just kind of can't hack it. They, they yeah. want that cushier life and that's just not what they're going to get there. Nobody's hand is held during that process. Yeah. No, that's yeah. Nobody that, held mine kinda... anyways. Damn. <laughs> so I do want to get into Total Divas. How, how long did you work with Total Divas? I uh, know. I, so I only did one season of Total oh, Divas. So okay. I had popped on a few other times. Like I'm close friends with the Bella twins. So I would be with them sometimes. That gotcha. was sort of how I kind of like got in there a little bit. The big, we're going on this trip, come hang out and whatever. So uh, yeah, that turned into them being like, 
Well, it's actually funny. I remember Kevin Dunn, the uh, executive producer of WWE. He called me and was like, so you're going to be in the next season of Total Divas. Let me know what you think. Great. Like, it was like, you're doing this. You're doing this, yeah. And it wasn't that I didn't want to do it. It was that then I had to tell my then, at the time, boyfriend, now husband, who is a professional wrestler, but hates being on camera. Interesting. Very well-known one as well. Very well-known one, yes. (laughs) So for me to have to be like, hey, by the way, anyways, we're doing Total Divas. So what do you want to go get for dinner? I just had to like throw it out there and be like, oh, God, because I knew he's going to be like, what the fuck? (laughs) Uh, So, I mean, he, you know, he kind of rolled with it. But it was just, it was tough. I mean, doing a reality show, as you know, is a tough gig. It's like you've got cameras on you all the time. You're always mic'd up. It's putting yourself out there. It's it's putting yourself out there and being vulnerable. Like that is a really difficult thing to do. And, you know, I think coming from, from the WWE world as well as like you're, you're in character a lot of the time. And that was the thing that was hard for me with, with my husband too, is like his character in WWE, especially at the time too. I mean, even now, but like, he's just this like badass. So for me to like have him just be who we are at home Mm -hmm. together was like, hell motherfucking no that just was <laughs> like not think about that yeah that yeah. Be, yeah it was weird and like i had to call him dean ambrose instead of just calling him john which is his name so like it was just it was, oh, it was a very weird. <laughs> a gray area yeah you're like calling your husband by like his like stage name if you yeah, will you know? like- yeah exactly it was, it's weird so i mean it, it, it was fun we got to go on like great trips and go out and have great meals and like the perks of doing that show were amazing, but it was just, it was hard to navigate. And I was like, I don't really know what I'm trying to do on here. I don't know. Reality TV. Mm-hmm. I don't know that at least in that capacity, which is very much like let's stir up some drama. And like, that's how you're going to get TV time. And that's just like, not really my deal, especially being the only girl on there. That's not a wrestler either. I was the only girl that didn't wrestle. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So I was like, you know, the girls are all having their issues and then sorting them out in the ring. And that was like really a big part of the show is they really wanted, you know, a lot of things to either culminate in the ring or whatever, where I'm like, I'm just going to go broadcast a thing. You guys want to follow me doing that? And they're like, no one's getting punched. Who cares? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was just always kind of trying to figure out how to find my right footing in that world. But when I gotcha. see the other girls that are like, kill, like, you watch like the Bella twins and watching total Bella's like, I legit love that show and they're good friends of mine. And John and I will watch it. And we're like, we like, just like sift through like, Oh my God, is this real? What happened? Like, right. we, we love it. We <laughs> it's love so much different people. watching a reality television show when you know the people on it, yes, you know what I mean? It's yeah. such a different lens. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah. You're like, Oh my God, I think that was for real. Oh my God. It's, it's great. I love it. I like, we love watching that stuff. It's great. Yeah. That, that that's going to be a lot of fun. So I do want to talk about how you met your husband now husband and you, I'm a, how, how pre- seven and a half months pregnant now. Yeah. Something like that. I'm like 30, one week's pregnant. I'll be 32 weeks on Friday. So Ooh. whatever that equates to. Yeah, she is large and in charge over here. <laughs> in charge. Let me say in charge because they Ooh. feel like they always, yeah, they are. <laughs> and this is the second one, right? No, this is number one. Oh, it's the first. The first. Yeah, this is baby number one. And it, honestly, I've had it really easy. This has been such an easy pregnancy. 
that I feel like this is like the trick that mother nature does. She's like, you love being pregnant. You are going to love being a mom. So now I'm like, all right, let's get round two going. Pumping them out. Totally. I'm like, I mean, listen, you wait till you're 35 and I'm like, let's go. (laughs) Getting called up on the phone here. But um, no, I've had such an easy pregnancy. I feel good. I've been able to work out the entire time. Um, I've had a ton of energy, so I can't really complain. But, um, But anyways, so John and I met in WWE and now I'm with his child. <laughs> so like how did you guys be was this like an interview like interviewing him and no. like you just saw sparks like how did that work like well it took it, i wouldn't say that it like took a second but like you know like i said earlier it's like we all spend so much time together so and he's somebody that he really keeps to himself he's not very social and i'm the complete opposite mm-hmm. so i didn't even realize that he was talking to me more than he talks to other people. Cause I didn't know him really prior. Mm. And so actually I remember like the, it was one of the Bella twins or maybe it was Naomi being like, he talks to you. And I was like, yeah, but he doesn't <laughs> talk to anybody. I'm like, Oh, I don't know. We're like buddies, but we would just, we would spend so much time just talking to each other at TVs, like getting ready for the show to go on and whatever we had going on during the day to hanging out in the hotel lobbies, having drinks. And then it kind of escalated to, I don't know if you guys ever used the app Voxer, but it's like a walkie talkie kind of app. Oh no. Anyways, we would do that like all through the week and just leave each other voice memos. Like we were talking all the time. And then I remember like one day, I like didn't really hear from him. And I was like, oh my God, I miss him. Holy shit, what happened? Oh God. I, I like, what have I done? Yeah. What happened? Oh my God. Am I falling in love with this person? I didn't even realize. Um, and then once we finally were like, and that went on for like a while and then we were like, all right, maybe we should like actually hang out and see mm-hmm. what this is. And that took a while. There was a few times that he would call me and be like, I'm just going to come to New York. I'm going to come hang out. And I'm like, you know, a couple of wines and I'm like, yeah, come to New York. And then like the next day I'm like, you can't come stay with me. Ew. <laughs> what? What? No. You think you're going to stay in my one bedroom apartment? Hell no. Um, So we ended up meeting on like neutral territory. He came down to Orlando, which is where the training center is for, um, for WWE. So we hung out there and then that was, uh, we went to like Halloween horror nights at at Disney, which is funny because we would never do that now. I don't know who we thought we were back then. It was just (laughs) fun, but we're just like not amusement park people. And um, just a couple kids dating. Yeah, yeah, we were just (laughs) young and in love. Like, you know, know, barely touching hands and like, oh, (laughs) well, it's funny because the very first night that we actually hung out because we had talked so much and like, not that we're like awkward, but neither of us are like that forward like i'm not gonna walk into a room and be like i'm the sexiest bitch up in here like that is that will never be my motive (laughs) and he's you know he is kind of the same too so like once we actually hung out we were like stayed in the hotel room and he was really sweet he like got all like my favorite snacks and like the drinks i was thinking it was when like skinny girl was like a big thing i remember like chugging some skinny girl (laughs) (laughs) and we're like hanging out in the hotel room and all of a sudden it's like four o'clock in the morning and we're like someone needs to make a move or we are just best friends. What are we doing here? <laughs> this is yeah. the moment. Like this is the moment. <laughs> this is do or die. Awkward. <laughs> so hey, one thing led to another and we've literally been together ever since. Wow. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's really great. Cool. It's, it's just very much that like, 
we're just together forever. And that's just the way that it is. Like he's, he's my guy. He's the best. That's awesome. And yeah, now you got one on the way and that's, yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's just, it's really crazy. Your little, I feel like that little baby is just going to be like a wrestler, like from day one. Like, I can't wait to watch your videos (laughs) of you guys like wrestling in the living room. My my organs agree. My (laughs) organs are currently taking a beating. She is like riled up all the time. She gets like rowdy in there. But that's great. Yeah, you know, it's it's really cool to like think of us both meeting in WWE to like then his career going a different path of him leaving WWE and wanting to go to AEW and he wrestles in Japan when the world is more open. Um, so him to go and follow his career the way that he wanted to do things, and then me also following suit to being like, Yeah, you know, I think I kind of want to go do something else too. It's like we've just been able to navigate things really cool and uh have each other's back through the whole thing. It's it's really awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I always say like you want a partner, you know, you want somebody yeah. to support you through thick and thin. And yeah, exactly. Totally. Yeah. Totally. That's pretty cool. You guys, you found that, which is yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Very so lucky. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. So before we let you go and everything, we talk about all the stuff you're doing now. I want to know, your husband doesn't count, but like who is your favorite interview that you've ever done? Kind of honestly, just in your career, not even wrestling, just in your career. Like what's one of your favorite people to interview? Jeez, that's a tough one. Well, because you start, it's weird because when you're like, you're so busy and cranking out so many interviews that you like almost, there's like, I'll probably say someone and be like, oh my God, I can't believe I forgot this insanely Mm, magical, talented person. You know, this one just popped in my head because, well, first of all, he just went into the WWE Hall of Fame, but the story of him. So when I was working for Fox Sports, doing a a WWE, doing a WWE show, uh, William Shatner came in. And oh, oh, it's wow. William Shatner. He's cool. He's still so with it. He's so sharp. He actually reminds me a lot of me and Gene Okerlund. My favorite thing was that he just like drove himself to set. Like he just like <laughs> did need a car service. And he just like hauled ass from wherever he lives in LA down to where we were and like came in, hung out on the set. He was, he was just like totally game to do whatever. And he's just like one of the guys, like just, yeah, he was just down to do whatever he was. He was really fun to have on. Um, and then like, you know, I think in like the, the wrestling world, I mean, I mean, he is kind of the wrestling world, I guess to a degree. Yeah, technically, yeah. Um, but I would say I always loved doing, um, segments with Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman was one of my favorites because he's just such a huge character. He's so well-respected in the wrestling business, but he always gave me a lot in interviews in the sense of like, you know, when I'm talking like interviews in WWE, those are still performances. Uh, We're reading a script and we're sticking to it. We're going back and forth. It's a scene basically. So he would always give me stuff to do, which I liked. He would get in my face and he'd be like rude to me. And give me ways to react to him, which mm-hmm. can be really nice. Because a lot of times you just kind of stand there like a dumb dumb holding a microphone. So it was really nice to be able to to kind of get into something with somebody. Yeah. We were talking, I think it's like our 56 podcasts, whatever. Hell so yeah. we kind of just as we go along, we're like learning. But I always feel like when I interview like other, like whether it be broadcasters or podcasters, which you have a podcast, it's so much better because you give so much more. Where sometimes you interview somebody and they'll just like answer like yes. And then like pause, you know, and like, okay, I guess I'll move on. Well, it's funny because I, I noticed that um, with my podcast, I mean, so generally my, my podcast, I don't want to say it's like, it's not just a wrestling podcast, but those are who my friends are that I'm like, yo, you want to pop on my show real quick? Right. Um, so it's great. And I've had so many great guests. And again, if, I mean, if you have other people from WWE on here, they're going to give you the same thing. We chat, we know to tell stories, we know yep. to hang out, but there's sometimes you get like other athletes and you're like, oh, Pulling shit. Teeth. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like pulling teeth. How am I going to stretch this out? Yeah. It can be really difficult sometimes. And you're like, oh my God, when people like, yeah, they're, they're not really down to like elaborate on stories or like really get into something or like really show their personality. It can be Trey mm. difficult. Yeah, so I, I feel you. Yeah. So let's talk about your podcast a little bit. What is it called again? Oral the sessions. Oral session. Oral session. The oral session. <laughs> and you just moved over to uh, Colin Coward's I podcast did. network, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Just uh, about two months ago. So I only started doing the show the Tuesday after Thanksgiving. So it's not been oh, that okay. long. So yeah. it's been, you know, kind of up and running for a couple months. We released two episodes a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, we just kind of finished off doing a whole WrestleMania week leading up to to obviously this this weekend with wrestlemania and we've got some great interviews in the can already um and now i'm just kind of sending out feelers to other friends to start booking some more guests and keep moving forward but yeah it's fun i mean i'm really enjoying the i love to hang out and just shoot the shit so it's fun to just like hop on hang out with my friends try to decide which of their stories I'm going to get them to tell to the public, which ones that we should maybe keep for ourselves. (laughs) We have that problem too sometimes. It's a tricky thing because you're like, hey, I know this, but like, can other people know this? Mm -hmm. I've said some weird things on some podcasts. I'm not going to lie. Like there's a few things where I'm like, (laughs) I'm going to regret that. Oh God. I know there's nothing worse than like that. Like you like wake up afterwards. You're like, was that weird? I said something weird, right? That like panic that hits is the worst. Yeah, sometimes I feel bad for our producer. Sometimes I'll say something. I'll be like, I'll hit him up three hours later. He's two hours later than us. It's two or three in the morning. I'm like, we got to cut this, Eddie. (laughs) I'll do the same. Yeah, I'm like, hey, guys, we got to. That's got to go. Put that on the editing room floor. And also before we get out of here, pretty exciting. You have a new cookbook coming out next month. Yeah. And it's already an Amazon bestseller. Crazy. Look at you. That's that's amazing. (laughs) Messy in the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, that's just sort of, you know, going back to the very beginning of our conversation of like, I really just wanted to have a cookbook. I love cookbooks. I love cooking. It's just a thing that was sort of on my bucket list of like, let's do this. So, you know, once I was able to like, you know, post till press, they were like, all right, you want to do a cookbook? Let's do it. And I was like, oh, shit, really? (laughs) Um, So, yeah, being able to like get the book, I have it here. But Ooh, like to, to like to hold it and have it and you. like it's it's so cool. Yeah. I'm just so proud of it. I've I, you know, I just to be able to like reconnect with um with like my writing and reconnect with my own voice as a personality and not having anyone hand me a script or tell me what I can say or not say and to not feel filtered at all mm-hmm. and to just have this passion project that I could just like really lean into and yeah, now to actually have it and know that people are gonna have this book and be making these recipes and I'm just praying that I got all the measurements right. <laughs> you get the cookbook community coming at you. you know? Oh my God. Well, like the, I, I'm sure it's, I'm sure there's like actual chefs. They're like, get out of here. Yeah, exactly. But like, guys, I just, I, I got to eat too, man. I got to eat. So yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of the book. I think it's, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of personality in it. Um, there's some cocktails in there instead of desserts. The very back of the book has QR codes um, that will take you to Spotify playlists that I've made oh. um, to kind of set the ambiance and just kind of help you through the whole hosting people. That is such thing. a good idea. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, it's the whole just the whole experience, <laughs> you know? I was really like when I because I that was sort of the like what I really wanted it to be. I'm like, yeah, I want the book to be about like hosting people and having them over and like just getting in the kitchen and rolling up your sleeves and like nothing's too serious, whatever. But like having the music be a big part of that was 
one of the initial ideas I had. And I was like, Hey, we got to do this quick. Cause someone's got to be doing this already. How could I, there's no way I'm like the first person to do this, Yeah, but I've, I've not seen it. Yeah, I've not like seen it. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's really cool. There's about six different playlists on there and I can keep kind of like adjusting them and changing. Yeah. So you can add to them as you yeah. like, because oh, it's on Spotify. Yeah. 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 Idea. It's really cool. There's like date night and girls night and barbecues and like, yeah. you know, big meal thing. It's cool. Brilliant. Oh, no, that's really cool. One more question. I know I've said this already. One more question, though, for you. <laughs> what would be your advice for women kind of, you know, up and coming in, like we talked about, kind of some of these male-dominated industries? Like, what, what would be some advice you'd give them? Um, you know, I think my advice is to to not walk into a situation feeling like you've got your back against a wall or feeling like you're the girl in the room. I, I never had that approach, and I never felt that way. Again, I don't know if that was just me getting lucky working with the right people and earning respect through the right people. Um, but that was just something that I never felt like was a huge issue for me. Of course, you know, throughout my career, I've had hurdles and I've had different obstacles that I've had to overcome due to my gender. Um, but just my advice is to just take no shit, follow your gut, take no shit, know yourself and, uh, and just keep pursuing the things that you want to pursue. Um, don't, don't walk into things feeling like you're already in the negative because of that. Like just own, own your shit. That's great yeah. advice. <laughs> and like hey, men can take that advice as well. Yeah. Like just to, for everybody. I mean? like, it applies to everybody. Take no shit. Take no shit. There you go. Hashtag take no shit. It, yeah. And like earn your spot at that table. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Uh, well, Renee, you've been phenomenal. Um, where can everybody find you? Whether it be Instagram, Twitter, yeah, all that. You guys stuff. can follow me on Instagram and Twitter, both at Renee Paquette. That's R-E-N-E-E-P-A-Q-U-E-T-T-E. And my podcast, Oral Sessions, that is everywhere you guys get podcasts. And then my book, Messy in the Kitchen, you guys can pre-order that on Amazon or uh, Barnes and Noble. Mm. Just look it up. You'll find yeah. it and you can have it. <laughs> awesome. Everybody go buy that book. I love the QR code. Idea. I don't know why, but I'm like, right? shook by that. Yeah. I'm going to go buy Get that. Get on probably. there. Not that I'm the biggest cook. Maybe you learn. can try. <laughs> That's the whole point. You don't have to be a master chef. He yeah. just wants the playlist. Yeah. I just want, can I just have the QR code? I mean, like yeah. I could like send great. <laughs> I'll buy the book. I'll buy the book. <laughs> no, but again, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun and I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me yeah. on. Thanks for listening, everyone. Be sure to follow our Instagram at Behind the Rose Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, comment, like, and give us all five of those damn stars. Behind the Rose is recorded on site at the world famous Grizzly Rose or wherever we happen to be. See you next time, Behind the Rose. <laughs>